What is going on? Maryland, Mark Turgeon, mutually agree to part ways. That's the huge headline that came out of nowhere on Friday afternoon. So Paris and I had no choice but to hop on an emergency podcast and deliver you two episodes in a single day. We hope you appreciate it. Let's get into it right now. Hey there. Gary Parrish, it's Friday, still Friday, still December 3rd, 2021. Welcome back. CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home. I'm at home. And some big breaking news in the world of college basketball has brought us back to these seats for the second time on this Friday. Thought I was going to be able to have a nice Mexican lunch. Nope. (laughs) Had to turn right around and come back home. Mark Turgeon is out at Maryland after uh, just eight games this season. He reportedly mutually agreed to part ways with the school. So one of the sports uh, big boy jobs is now open. Dead leg, your thoughts? Man, everything's breaking the right way for Rick Patino, is it not? <laughs> we'll get to we'll get no nah, we'll get to some off the cuff candidate. We're still very early on this. Uh, yeah, hell of a surprise. Okay, so it's been a chaotic past uh, hour, I guess, less than that since this has happened. But yeah, hello to everyone experiencing a real emergency podcast in in real time uh, on YouTube. So hello to the chat room and all that good stuff. Uh, this was shocking to me. I have made some texts and a couple calls. This got decided yesterday, and um, I, I I have been told that this is not a firing firing, that this really is Mark Turgeon worn down, and it had, this had just not become something that he wanted to go through uh, for the rest of the season. It's unusual. This almost never happens. When Bo Ryan did this at just about the same time on the calendar, I hadn't I hadn't gotten a chance to look back on it was early December. I don't even think we had hit the double digits in December. So first week, first eight or nine days. Remember, Greg Gard had long been the coach in waiting when that happened. Danny Manning is not the coach in waiting. Uh, you know, he's gonna get a chance to coach Maryland. And as I said on HQ about 30 minutes ago, if we look up in two months and Maryland's only lost once or twice since Danny Manning's taken over, then yeah, he'll have a shot at, at taking over the job. He's coached at the power five level, but Man, it's it's too funny to me that we talked about Maryland and its fan base on the normal Friday podcast. What's funny is anyone listening to this podcast first or like I want to I want to listen to the Turgeon stuff. When you get to the other podcast and we're talking about Maryland's fans having no idea that Mark Turgeon wasn't going to coach another game there. Ah, uh, that's just universe winking at us. Um, but yes, obviously it's a surprise. Uh, I still think this team's good enough to make the tournament, win games in the tournament. We'll see though. This is. This is kind of a sink or swim decision. You know, obviously the players, you would figure not that they have the choice, but he goes to the players and they're on board with it and they'll ride with Danny Manning. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, man, bottom line is this is a surprising move. 2021 is the noisiest coaching carousel year in the history of college sports when you consider football and basketball. And we have one of the 20 best jobs in college basketball now open for vacancy for next year. Um. You know, Maryland was five and three through these first eight games with losses to George Mason, Louisville, and Virginia Tech. Kim English turns out Kim English killed Mark Turgeon's career at Maryland. Apparently so. 
Apparently so, because uh, that's one of the three. And then, as we mentioned on the other podcast, they've dropped their past two games to get them to five and three. Yeah, uh, big picture, and you're you're exactly right. Like this team is off to a not good start, but the talent that made just about everybody think they were a preseason top twenty five team is still very much in place. So, um, to walk away at this point, if that is indeed what Mark did. Um, is a little surprising to me, although I, I can't speak to, you know, what it must feel like to be a constantly criticized college basketball coach in a high profile um, job because he's been dealing with criticism on some level for 12 years. <laughs> I mean, he's, he that's the thing about this. He made it to his 12th season. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure there was ever really a time where the fan base was like, we got the right guy. We got our coach. You know, this is who we're rocking with. I don't know that he ever had them. I don't even know if it's like he lost them and then couldn't get them back. I don't know that he ever had them. And then certainly when, um, you know, you couldn't bounce past the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament often enough, um, it really didn't matter that you were, it no longer mattered to the fan base that you were making the NCAA tournament basically every year. Um, it only mattered that you weren't getting where they thought you should be. You know, he did coach in five of the past six NCAA tournaments, but in these 11 years, he only made the sweet 16 uh, one time. Now he missed out on an opportunity to maybe do it again in 2020 right? Uh, because of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. He won the big 10 that season was projected as a number three seed in that year. And then of course we don't play the tournament. Um, but the truth is he got off to a slow start. Um, didn't make the NCAA tournament until year four. So he started slow and then just never won the, the fan base over, never made uh, deep marches into the bracket consistently. And if it is true that he just reached a point where he was worn down, I, I guess I can under, I get, I'd like to think I would, continue to think I can turn this thing around until I can't because there's still plenty of time to do it. But I, you know, if he's indeed just worn down from everything that goes with being a less than perfect um, Maryland basketball coach, I, I guess I can understand that. Here's the, here's the, uh, here's the quote Turgeon had in the Maryland release, uh, which is how this news got uh, dispense. No one broke it. Maryland announced it, and then the college basketball media landscape went whoa. Well, well I will give uh, credit. Uh, the Maryland twenty four seven site did post at some point, and I didn't see it until after it was official. It might have been minutes before. Okay, but they did say is expected to resign at some point today, and so they were they were out there pretty good on it. Credit to them. I did not. Uh, I did not see that streak across my feed. But then again, HQ and podcast prep and all that stuff has happened uh, in a flash. Uh, you were you were out to eat Mexican food. I was trying to make myself a smoothie. <laughs> so, I was gonna and, have a. I was gonna have a queso fundido. I've got. Uh, I this is one hundred percent true. Not that anyone cares, but I've got open jar. I I was. I was like, you know what? It's been months. Every like, you know, every so often I'll be like, you know what? I'm gonna do PB and J sandwich. I got oh no, I got open jars of peanut butter and jelly on my counter and two two pieces of bread just sitting on a plate in the countertop. We'll get there in a second. <laughs> here's what uh here's what Turgeon said in the release. After several in-depth conversations with Damon Evans, which is the athletic director at Maryland, who by the way, previously fired Dennis Felton, like what? 
nine games into a season when he was at Georgia, even though this was not a firing. Uh, Turchin continues, I've decided that the best thing for Maryland basketball, myself and my family, is to step down effective immediately as the head coach of Maryland basketball. I have always preached that Maryland basketball is bigger than any one individual. My departure will enable a new voice to guide the team moving forward. Then we've got a little, little bit more there. How about this? I've got, I, I brought it up on my phone. So in 2000, this is a December 13, 23rd, 2014 headline from Gary Parrish. Remember the coaches on the hot seat? They're mostly doing okay so far. Turgeon's on that list. The next year, we're almost into 2022. In 2015, you went to College Park. You sat down with Mark Turgeon to talk about this exact issue. So to your point of what you brought up before, he has been living in this for a long time. I don't think it was in year one or year two, but certainly by year three, it had gotten to a point, maybe even year two, where Maryland fans, and listen, Maryland fans, I'm not I'm not going after you for, uh, we, you know, we playfully poke fun at how you are so beloved to your program, but you are you are so self-loathing and almost wear that as a, as a badge of pride here. But that obviously can have tons of tr- huge impact on a man, his family, and doing, doing that job. It's a very high-profile job. Uh, I saw at least one person in our YouTube live stream chat show skepticism over Maryland as a top 20 job. Uh, no. Talk to any coach, agents in the industry, because of its location, because of its history, because of its conference, even though it's not in the ACC anymore, now it's in the Big Ten, which has performed better than the ACC. Maryland is an undisputed top 20 job in college basketball. I said this on HQ. Right now, today, and then into tomorrow, Sunday, Every single coach that would want to have this job will be talking with their representatives and having those representatives find Damon Evans and anyone else that needs to know it at Maryland say, we would love to be considered as a candidate for this job. So while the search will take weeks and months publicly, a lot of, uh, well, a lot of work is going to be done privately and behind the scenes in the next 24 to 48 hours. And, if you are a fan of a school that has a coach that's a sitting head coach in a power conference that either is in a spot where maybe they, you know, maybe their time is is approaching a, a spot where it could be up or they're on the come up. Just keep that in mind as we uh, as we move forward here. But yeah, Turgeon made only one sweet 16 and, you know, this is noisy. It's newsy. I, I, I don't love it. But he, if he wanted, if he wanted to step down, by all means, you know what? If if he thinks this is what's best, I don't begrudge him for that. And I know Maryland fans, many of them are celebrating today because at least this gives them, it just gives them a new reason for opportunity going forward. It gives them some optimism, maybe for this season. We'll see. Again, Danny Manning, he just joined the staff this year. He joined the staff as part of a kind of a, a little bit of an overhaul. Reminder: Turgeon signed a new deal back in April through 2026, that money was like in the 17 million range over the course of the contract. So I don't know. And it doesn't really matter in terms of what kind of money he's going to get, but um, yeah, there was, there was some noise last year about like, would Maryland have any changeover if they underperformed? That didn't happen. Turgeon made the tournament. They didn't go far. He got a new deal. Now he's out. And now we wait and see what this team does in the here. And now, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen. If, for non-Maryland fans, here's what they got. They got Northwestern at home on Sunday. Then this is why the timing is interesting to me because then they have their break for finals. They don't play again for another week, and then they're against Florida on December 12th. Then they get Loyola, Maryland. They get Brown before league play starts. So only four games for Maryland in essentially the next three weeks. You got a little bit of time to kind of make this happen, and we'll see what the group can do under Danny Manning. 
You mentioned uh, some noise last season about if Maryland underperformed, could you know they make a coaching change? The other noise was could he get Wichita State, where he had previously coached, and he's still super tight with like some of the rich people there. And one of the things that was bouncing around in you know college basketball circles, if you will, is that Greg Marshall's out. Isaac Brown's the interim, but he's probably not going to keep the job full time. So could Turch Turch take a you know a, a a parachute into Wichita and get a fresh set of expectations and a you know new contract on top of it, and that he wouldn't have to leave, he wouldn't have to take a pay cut because these wealthy people that he's still tight with would be willing to to make him whole. Like hey, come come back to Wichita, come home. And um, we, we, we won't ask you to do it for less money. We'll pay you, you know, what you'll make as much money as you're going to make at Maryland. Well, then Isaac Brown goes out and improbably wins the American Athletic Conference. So they give him the job and he deserved it. But that was, I, I genuinely believe this based on conversations I had. If for whatever reason, Wichita State would not have hired Isaac Brown, I think Mark Turgeon would be the head coach at Wichita State right now. Mm. But when that, when Isaac got the job full time, um, I don't want to say Mark got stuck at Maryland, but you know what I mean. He kind of got stuck there uh, to forever remain on the hot seat until something like this happened. When did what year was that? You said you you found a headline with me and Mark. Uh, I went that to Collin Park. Yeah, it was 2015 when you went down and you talked with them in the preseason. Uh, yep. So heading into the 15, 16 season. And for reference for listeners that was coming off of uh, Maryland was a four seed the year before they went 28 and seven. They, they lost in the second round to West Virginia. And then that following season, they wound up going to the sweet 16. Uh, that was the team that had Mella Trimble diamond stone, the whole deal. And so there was kind of like a little bit of renewed momentum um, and that, Extended, you, you know, you have Diamond Stone, you get a, a, a really good class. Robert Carter was on that team. Remember Rashid Suleiman from Duke? He was on that. That group kind of extended Turgeon's life going forward and, and basically led us on the path to where we find ourselves today. Um, so I went there. I thought it was that year. I couldn't, I could I didn't remember if it was me- right before Mello's freshman year or right before Mello's sophomore year. So it was after his soft, it was before his sophomore year. And I went there. I remember it was Labor Day because, uh, I snuck in a trip to a Mets Nationals game while I was there. And we had a long conversation about living on the hot seat and the stress that goes with that. Now, keep in mind, this is only four years into it. But entering Mello's freshman year, he was very much on the hot seat. He had zero NCAA tournaments at that point. Uh, Had finished eighth, seventh, and seventh in the ACC in his first three seasons. Then they moved to the Big Ten. He enrolls Melo Trimble, and like you said, everything changes. Goes 28-7 that season, 14-4 and in the Big Ten, makes the NCAA tournament, and then ends up going to five NCAA tournaments in a six-tournament span. And again, it would have been six in a seven-year span if not for the dumb pandemic. So at this point, he's gone from hot seat to broke through with Melo Trimble to make the tournament and now got a preseason, I don't remember, but very good team. So he's a little more relaxed and it's not awkward to talk about what it was like before Mello Trimble got there and, and turned things around for him. And one thing I remember from that story, I, I, I believe I put it in the story. I haven't seen that story probably in six years, but 
He said when it really hit him, the time that it really like got to him, he was driving somewhere with his son who was, I don't, I don't remember the age. It could have been middle school, could have been high school, but still, you know, young enough where old enough to understand the situation his father is in, but young enough to, you know, still be um, innocent on, on some level. And so Turge says that he's driving somewhere with his son and his son says, dad, are we going to have to move? And he was like, what? And he's like, are we going to have to move? And he was like, no, 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 no. We're fine. Everything's fine. We're not going to move. And the kid was asking from a place of, I love my friends and I really like my school. And I don't, you know, we just moved a few years ago and I lost all those friends and I don't want to, I don't want to lose all my friends again. And I think sometimes we talk about these people like they're just coaches. You know, they just go into the gym and player develop and recruit and, and you know, coach their fathers, their husbands. And this, that kind of stress, very public, um, having a very public job where people judge you based on the results of games, um, it, it's not simple. And I remember him saying that that really got to him, that it, it had never occurred to him before that, that his son was stressed about his job and not stressed because he needed his dad's team to go to the sweet 16 as much as a diehard Maryland fan did, but because his son just on a very basic level, didn't want to have to move again. Didn't want to lose his friends. Didn't want to change schools. And that is more or less what he's been dealing with, you know, ever since, because even though they got consistently good and remained consistently good, they never got great. And at Maryland, um, they want you to be great. And, 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 and at Maryland, you have a chance to be, to be great. Um, and, and he could never quite break it through in a way that was going to satisfy that fan base. And so this day, Mark Turgeon, you know, um, no longer being the coach at Maryland. I mean, I guess that was always inevitable. It's inevitable for everybody by definition. But th- this always felt like... Um, I don't know that I ever expected it to end eight games into a season, but I did always expect it to end with him either parachuting out or getting pushed out because he, not because he ever runs it into the ground, but because he just didn't do enough. Okay. My two final thoughts here are um, Maryland's just, a, it becomes a huge mystery team to me now. Does the team rally under Danny and do they get themselves into a position in the big 10 where they can make the tournament? I don't know. Do they, do they just become you know, middle of the pack or worse in that league. And then barely even in the NIT or worse. I, that I'll be interested to see how this team responds over the next couple of weeks and down the stretch into February and just see what happens there. And then whenever a job like this opens, obviously you want to discuss candidates. It's extremely early. And let's, let me emphasize one thing here. Performance this season will also have an impact on what the candidate pool really is barring there being some sort of situation where, it's, you know, it's a few people at Maryland and a coach and his representative. And those are the only people that know. And there's some sort of deal that's agreed to in, say, late January or whatever. Barring that kind of situation happening and surfacing, you will have coaches having good teams in January into February, 
making tournament runs and how that might impact. Cause obviously you want to time this. Well, you don't want to have a situation where you'd hire someone and they're in the midst of a bad run or they're on their, they're on the downturn as one example with this, you know, Mike Bray knows the area. Well, uh, Mike Bray has told me on the record multiple times, Notre Dame will be his final um, college basketball job. So never say never with any of that. I don't even know if Mike Bray would be, you know, top three candidate for Maryland, but he has done a really good job for a long time at Notre Dame, but it's kind of a little bit on the downturn. We'll see if he can get it turned around there. He knows, you know, demathetize the whole deal. You'll probably see his name float out there. I wouldn't expect that, but whatever. Uh, some names. I would say if you're looking for a coach that's done well from the area, that's really outside the box. Again, this is just initial Teams, guys that I would consider. Andy Enfield is from that area and has done a really good job at USC. I don't know if you want to leave Southern Cal to go to Maryland. Don't know if Maryland would consider him among the top of, of their list, but he's one that pops to mind. Kevin Willard definitely pops to mind there. He's had a really good run at Seton Hall. I could see Kevin Willard coaching 10 more years at Seton Hall. I could also see a situation where Kevin Willard wants to choose a change of scenery, wants a reboot, and then we'll kind of wait and see. That kind of feels like almost like, let's see what Seton Hall looks like this season. And if they're really, really good, maybe his name becomes even hotter. Uh, Mark Schmidt at St. Bonaventure has deserved a bigger job for five years at this point. I would absolutely put him on my list if I was Maryland. Um, and then Mark Pope at BYU is a coach that I think just, it doesn't matter where he goes. He's going to, he's inevitably going to, if he wants it, they're going to the big 12, but that's not happening for a couple of years. They're basically running like a high major program at BYU now. Uh, again, I'm not assigning a t intention to any of these coaches. This is me scanning on my own over the past 30 minutes and looking what coaches might make sense. Those are the ones you mentioned Kim English. He's from the era. He just started at George Mason. Not that he couldn't be the next coach at Maryland or anything like that. He's from the area. They beat Maryland. I get all that. Maryland fans are probably already side-eyeing. We made jokes on the podcast about it, Parrish. I don't know. He's really young. We'll have to wait and see on that. And then there's one coach that's a big name that I'm not sure if he's ever going to return to college coaching, but I'll just mention him here. John Beeline is 68. I mean, he's got a role with the Pistons now. You know, he'd be a good hire, but how long would he want to coach there? I don't I don't know how likely that would or would not be. So, you know, just to, to feed the curiosity of those listeners, because once this happens, you're always thinking about who's next. That's just an initial scanning. Don't know if it'll be any of those guys. And I think there's a good chance that once we get to the middle of February, there could be two or three guys at different schools that make a lot of sense based on the success they've had this season. Um, you were joking earlier when you mentioned Rick Patino. I, I don't think that's crazy. I it's just not don't. crazy. I just, I mean. There is nothing about Rick Patino or the sport of college basketball that disqualifies him from being a high major coach. Literally nothing. You look around the country, we don't have to name names, and look at some of the other people who are still coaching college basketball at a high major level. Um, what they've been accused of is, is far worse as it pertains to NCAA rules than what Rick Patino was actually accused of. Like, I know that Rick's program was involved in some wild stuff, but what has Rick actually been accused of? Um, it, it, it's not disqualifying. If, if I, I'll tell you this, if I were Maryland, I'd at least, I'd at least think about it. Uh, another name that somebody tossed out at me, you know, right before we started this podcast, um, Archie Miller, but struggle in the conference. Well, that's the problem is like, if you're Maryland, do you go, I mean, and, and let me be clear. That's something I would, uh, that's something I would consider. I would at least think about it, talk about it. Um, you know, Archie went from the hottest, 
young coach in America to fired, but like, I don't think he got dumber or a worse coach while I was at Indiana. It just didn't, didn't go the way um, any of us thought it was going to go. But the problem would be if you're Maryland, we just fired somebody for being good, not great, you know, and you just got fired. We just fired somebody at a historically strong program for being good, but not great. And you just got fired from a historically strong program for being good, not great. We don't need to go down that one again. Listen, they'll end up with a good coach, or at least they should, because this is, you're exactly right, um, one, of the, one of the better jobs in America. It, it's got history. It's got a passionate fan base. Um, the recruiting area, which I think it's reasonable to say Mark uh, didn't. Uh, capitalize on as much as he should have or or another person might uh, the recruiting area is incredible you got a natural recruiting base and then um that under armor affiliation is a real thing I, I don't know how how much it works you know post fbi scandal but i could just tell you it was working pre-fbi scandal and i even talked to mark about that and he never hit from it he said one of the reasons he was interested in the maryland job when he was interested in the maryland job was because he knew un- under armor you know was was going to be an advantage for Maryland the same way Nike's an advantage for, you know, Kentucky Duke, the same way Adidas was trying to be an advantage for Louisville and Kansas. And so when you combine all that stuff, um, you've got a, you know, I don't know whether it's top 10, top 15, top 20, but it's a very good job. How about this? Um, in power conferences, there are, um, you know, there, there's a lot of those jobs and only, you know, I, I don't know what the number is, but there, there's, there's certain places where you can go hire some other good programs, great coach. Um, you can get them to leave. And I think Maryland is one of those jobs. You know, the last time they had to hire, they hired Texas A&M's coach. Not any Power 5 program can go hire Texas A&M's coach once Texas A&M's got it going under that coach but maryland could for all the reasons i've already stated this is you can go take somebody else's good accomplished coach and i suspect um that that's what they'll try to do as we wrap i'll I'll, i saw this name mentioned in the chat because i did check in on it before we podcasted Uh, you know there's a there's a program legend who's in coaching right now and it's juan dixon coaching in baltimore at coppin state i did check with one industry source on this they said they couldn't see it because he's so far under 500, just hasn't gotten traction. Now, that's obviously a very, very hard job. Uh, I would think if you're Maryland, at the very least, throw, throw Juan Dixon, you know, throw him a bone, give him an interview uh, at the very least. I'd be interested to see how Maryland fans would react to that. But it, it just, you know, he hasn't had a winning season yet. The best season he had was last season. They were 9-13. So uh, I did... I did sniff that out just a, a real quick before we started podcasting. I'd be fascinated by it, but... Initial read is that they probably would not lean there. They're going to try and get a sitting head coach with high major experience and a winning record if you're Maryland because you're Maryland and it's a great job. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Adam Flagler, second real-time legend of the day. I know I got lazy on that one, but okay, I was trying to have Mexican, and I just needed to name a Baylor player. And I'm running out of former Baylor players, by the way. You are not. There are literally probably like 900 of them. So you are good to go for a couple more years. But the easiest place to look at rosters is Kim Palm. And it only goes back to 2002. I am running out of 2002 to present Baylor play. Let me introduce you to a site I like to call Sports Reference. You're good to go, my bud. Won't you send me a list of Baylor players? I'm not you- sending you. How about one of our beloved listeners, Maryland fan, Baylor fan, who are checking in, send Parrish a list of Baylor 
Yeah, like like you know, two hundred players or something. Just I, I, it's like stocking up on toilet paper. You know, you know you're gonna need it. Might as well stock up. That's right. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. I apologize. Shouts to Larnell. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, go do that. What are you going to do to the like button, dead leg? I'm not going to do anything with it. I already did something. What are you going to do, though? I'm going to smash it. Okay. Just like Brandon Davies would. Will it cost me a college basketball season? Maybe, maybe not. It's a risk I'm willing to take to smash. Go smash that button. We'll talk to you again. I hope to God not until Sunday night, but we'll see. (laughs) I hope we don't talk to you again until Sunday night, but we'll see. Till then, take care.